Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club, who are finally putting the championship behind them. Hopefully this time around it will stick. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Hello, how are you? I'm not bad, thanks. You were expecting a diatribe from me, weren't you? With some attempt at humour. But instead you got a, how are you? Yeah, you usually usually have an attempt. <laughs> I'm going to try something to do with the, the signing of Ross Stewart on a pre-contract, but honestly, I, <laughs> I read some of the replies. I should, I should take my own advice and just not bother with certain things because it's like Googling yourself or searching for your name on Twitter or like Faisal Reras. <laughs> exactly. Why, why Why? would you do that? What is the best case scenario that's going to come from that? And what is the worst case scenario? The best case scenario is the worst case scenario. Just don't do it. So, <laughs> yeah, good or Look, you know what? There's so many experts out there. And see, now you've got me. That's that. This is all your fault. You just you dangle a couple of things underwater and put your rod in and... Ooh, matron. Goodness. Um, <laughs> yeah, everyone's an expert. Oh, the, what are they giving him a two-year deal for a pre-contract? I mean, look, there's method to the apparent madness. There must be. What good would it do Harry Stone next season, being on the bench for 12 months again, when he might have the opportunity to play and likely will be put out on loan for another 12 months, maybe at a championship club? A step up from Albion Rovers. That's the way you kind of deal with kids. You don't have a, a kid like Harry Stone progressing by sitting on a bench when he's got a chance to play. The likelihood is if he goes to a part-time club, he's going to train at Rickerton anyway during the week with Craig Gordon, Paul Gallagher, and whoever else. So it's just... I'm, I, later on, we'll get on to an email that I got last week. And, and you were at it as well. You were you were stirring the, stirring the pot last week. You were egging them on. Um, I I said right at the start and reiterated throughout it wasn't a happy clapping episode but no no there's Dunsire clap 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 little memes or or whatever Um, and I want to read the I want to read the tweet I got in full Um, but that's that's part of 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 today's show so yeah how are you? I'm okay I'm fine I mean can't say um, can't say I Ross Stewart has done an awful lot in the couple of games I've seen him to to convince me that he's a worthwhile backup signing. But there, there you go. Maybe I'm just he's, he's playing. a cheap, he's yeah, a cheap backup. What, what are we going to do? We're, we're going to go to to Rangers and say, "Can we get Alan McGregor to be back?" No, of course we're not. You want someone who there's, can there's, do a there's job something in between. When called upon. Yeah, but he didn't do a job when called upon. <laughs> Did we he? have a limited budget. I don't know. I can't even remember which games he played. At. Played, in the, Craig was off played in the Craig was off. Played in the Rangers game where it didn't look too handy. Ah. At the winning goal. Um, I don't played, think he was the only one that played, played the in that game. Then no, he's not. And a few of the other players are. On the, I'm I'm just saying, and it didn't look too handy. I get the, the I get we're, we're we're all desperate for a kind of pre-contract agreement. Rangers announced one today, a striker from Zambia. We're just looking for... 
It is what it is. Just don't get your knickers in a twist because it's something that you might not like to hear. It's it's due diligence. It's part of the process. Did it get me excited? No, it didn't. But come on, you just fine. You just shrug it off. I'm not you like go I'm, off on some kind of oh, tear driven rant because this is what hearts are. These there's days. an in between though because there is. There is. I, I, you know, Poor Ross Stewart. He's done. He's he's the she. He's a he's the she Logan of of May now. Yeah, she yeah. Logan but she Logan fault. did well though. She Logan did well. And and again, you know, the fact she Logan's a starter. He wasn't brought in to be a backup to whoever he was coming in to be a backup for. But she Logan performed well enough when he came in. I mean, I, I, I still find it a strange signing, given that we're not going to keep him. Uh, but it doesn't really. I'm not. I'm not bothered. Um, you know, signing a 33-year-old was never, it was sort of one that I would have accepted if we had signed him because he did pretty well. Not that bothered that we didn't sign him. I think that that one is, a you know, for people to get to moan about that, I think is odd because people would have moaned about signing Shea Logan permanently before the five games. <laughs> so to then moan that we're not signing him because he does well for five games is a bit bizarre. But anyway, look at this. Tangent, tangent. Fantastic already. Not really, because we don't really have a structure today. So any time this can <laughs> yeah. be part of the, the main the main man. We have as much structure as ever. I mean, uh, yeah, I know. Which is, 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 is there's no spine to this show. It's, yes. <laughs> Are you um, suggesting so, we're spineless? <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, not that it got to me or anything like that. But here's this bloody tweet from oh, last week, Doctor 1874 at Der 1874. No issues whatsoever with people's thought process, but at least make it sound a little bit sensible, because this is this is a a total dichotomy in one tweet. Donaldson has lost the plot on the latest podcast. A, I would disagree with that because. It's not just the latest podcast that I lose the plot on. It's a, it happens most weeks. So there's the first disagreement there. Um, Nielsen lost to Aloha and Brora in both cups, correct? And no old firm to beat. We could easily have ended the season with those two trophies in the trophy cabinet. Hold on here. How could a team that's lost to Aloha and Brora in both cups suddenly be expected to win both cups because Rangers and Celtic aren't in there. We're shite to the extent that we lost to Aloha and Brora. How do we suddenly become good enough to win cups if we can't beat Aloha and Brora? <laughs> Is that not his point, yes, though? Rangers and Celtic Is that not his point, no, But the whole, the whole purpose of, of this is that Aloha and Brora beat us. <laughs> is that not what he's so warning about, say, no, who's to say that Stranraer wouldn't have beaten us in the night? Just because Rangers and Celtic were out of the cup, yeah, it makes it easier to win the national competitions when the, when the respective sides aren't there. That's his point. But nah, that's not how I read it. <laughs> I think that's... it probably. Do you know what? Do you know what? It probably is his point. I just read it as wait a minute. We can't be Alo and Brora, but we're, but we're we're good enough to win the cups. Uh, I think his, our, I think our... I think his argument is we weren't good enough to win the Cups or beat those, but if we'd been good enough to, to progress, then we would have had a chance at winning it. I think you're being harsh here. I think that's perfectly legitimate. To... Which is fine. I, I might have misconstrued the way that that, that, that was written. <laughs> so to Dr1874, if I did that, I do apologise. I do welcome your tweets. Of course I've lost the plot in the latest. I do that every week. But 
just the way I read it was, you know, it's like the way you read it. Um, you get, hour abroad, but you get so was, defensive straight away. Unbelievable. I'm, I'm being dragged into all this. I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay above mm, it. It's good fun I'm though. Being, it's being, good fun I'm when you do. Dragged into it through my inability to to read the signs or read a tweet correctly. If that is the case, I, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna get pent up and frustrated about this. <laughs> I think I've started this show very well. <laughs> okay. Don't you, don't sure. You? Sure. Ooh, baby. Okay. We'll talk. Thank you, Doctor. I need. I need. To, I need to visit Doctor Eighteen Seventy Four for some medicinal help. <laughs> don't you think? I wonder what he would prescribe. Some Valium. Um. <laughs> yeah. We will we will talk about Wraith Rovers um, against Heart of Midlothian, the final game for Hearts oh, yeah. uh, this season. We um, are going to look at potential signings we can make ahead of the new season and what a Hearts starting eleven could look like with some of the free transfers, or at least um, only development oh, yeah. fee transfers that are out there. We've got a few suggestions for that. Um, I've got a little quiz for yeah. Mark as well before we go, and I guess we'll we'll probably naturally discuss some bits and bobs about the season that's just finished. Okay, first up, Friday Night Football, live on the BBC. Probably a fitting way to end Hart's stint in the championship, and hopefully it's the last one for for a long time. I don't think we expected, after coming back up six years ago, that we would be in this situation again, but here we are. Um, Final game of the season obviously didn't mean anything from a Hearts perspective, but for Wraith Rovers, they were looking to try and secure a second spot in the championship and therefore um, get a, a bye or skip the quarterfinals of the playoffs, if you will. So a big game from their perspective, not so much from a Hearts perspective, but Hearts uh, coming into the game after that fantastic 3-0 win over Inverness. And just one change, uh, Armand Nongdouye with a thigh issue had to drop out and Ewan Henderson came in for a start. So Hart sticking with a 3-4-1-2 formation with Gordon and Goals, Smith, Halkett, Suter, Logan Wright, Halliday left, McInef Haring in the middle and Boyce supporting Henderson and Gary Mackay, Stephen. It was, um, in many ways, very similar to Hart's last visit to Starks Park. Same scoreline, uh, also a red card for Wraith Rovers. And it was just as comfortable a victory. So let's have a quick listen back to the action from last week. Hearts will go again with Michael Smith. That's a lovely pass through by Smith to Mackay Stephen. No offside, Mackay Stephen in the box. Left foot shot, wonderful finish. That is a super goal from Hearts. Michael Smith cutting through the Rovers' defence with a fantastic pass. And Gary Mackay Stephen onto it in behind, no offside flag, and he just opened up that left boot. No chance for Jamie McDonald in the Rovers goal. Great finish for Mackay Stephen, makes it three and two, and it's Wraith Rovers nil, Hart of Midlothian one. Back with Jamie McDonald again, chips it to the right, looking for Tumulty. Well cut out by Halliday, excellent interception there. Now slips it to Henderson in the box. Flicks inside, great play by Henderson. Right foot shot, wonderful goal from Ewan Henderson. That is fantastic from Henderson. It's his third of the season, his second here at Starks Park. 
Andy Halliday though excellent with his closing down to win it from Tumulty came into Henderson little drop of the shoulder worked inside his right foot shot into his right foot rather and a fantastic curling shot into the far corner past Jamie McDonald and Hearts double their lead Wraith Rovers nil Hart and Midlothian 2 it's, oh, it's really sloppy again from Rovers and they've just given Hearts a third goal it's Stephen Naismith I don't know what the home side are doing trying to pass the ball around about 6 yards from goal and in the end it's Stephen Naismith who stabs it in that's just calamitous from the home side who are falling apart here at Starks Park it's Wraith Rovers nil, Hart and Midlothian 3 Boyce still going edge of the box of the Rovers man down Boyce plays a 1-2 tight angle across the box and knocked in Mackay Stephen it's Gary Mackay Stephen at the double it's again just so sloppy from Rovers I think Benedictus that time just played it straight to Boyce 1-2 back to Boyce across the box and Gary Mackay Stephen makes it 4 in 2 games Wraith Rovers nil, Hart and Midlothian 4 Spencer went down in the build up to that just a disaster time and time again from Wraith Rovers Hearts making them pay though Okay, Wraith nil, Hearts 4 a very positive and impressive way to end the season albeit many people might not look too much into it given there wasn't too much on the line from a Hearts perspective but it was it was a good performance Mark and it started it started very similar to the last time I don't know it's one of the better artificial surfaces at Starks Park and it has seemed to be um, a good ground for Hearts to play on, partly because of that uh, very reason. They started with um, a lot of possession, confidently moving the ball around, and 11 minutes in, Michael Smith basically takes out four Wraith players with one pass, picks out Gary McKay-Steven, nice run in behind, uh, controls it, shows composure, picks out the bottom left corner, and that really set the tone. Like a lot of um, football clubs, and most in fact, Heart of Midlothian uh, decided to come off social media for a spell over the weekend. And when they came back on, they posted the goals from the Wraith Rovers game. And I watched them again this morning, having watched the match on, on Friday night. The thing that struck me about this goal was the touch that Gary Mackay Stephen took, which looked a little bit, not heavy, it was, a, it was a really, really good touch. And it's the perfect touch to set him up. And it was totally intentional to set him up for what he did. Sometimes you would think just a little touch and, and maybe another touch before getting the shot off. But with the touch that he took on his on his left foot, it had it moved the ball into a position. It, it, it sat perfectly for him. I thought it was a really good goal from Gary Mackay, Stephen, who's um, he's flying right now. And it was great to see he speaks so well afterwards, after games. It's such a it's such a change from listening to the usual monotone um, answers from a lot of footballers, which to be fair to a lot of them is as a result of ridiculous questions um, from from those doing the interview. You've just scored two goals. You must be happy. Come on, <laughs> could be better than that. But Gary speaks well. Um, he, he was over here and always always spoke very well after games in Major League Soccer when he'd done something. And I always always thought he spoke well when when he was at Aberdeen and Celtics. He's a smart kid, and I think that comes through. And He's, 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 he said, look, he knows his teammates now. He knows their strengths and weaknesses. He admitted he hadn't been um, good enough 
at the start, but they've they've persevered and and I think they've been rewarded. Lovely first goal, super through ball from Michael Smith. Andy Halliday hit the crossbar with a free kick, and he was a player who also had an effective game. We've seen Gary Mackay Stephen maybe benefit from being in a more central position the last couple of games. He obviously scores later on in the match, makes it four goals in two games. Andy Halliday hit the bar with a free kick. He was having a very strong input from that left-hand side, and 12 minutes into the second half, he has a big part to play in the second heart's goal, closing down the Wraith backline. Jamie McDonald tries to play the ball to Tumulty at right back. Andy Halliday nips a ball from him. Plays a little one-two with uh, Gary McKay-Steven. Then it's into Henderson, who, in a similar fashion to Gary McKay-Steven, works it onto his um, favoured foot and curls it into the far corner past the goalkeeper. Another good goal, and I think Halliday's another player who seems to have benefited from a slight positional change. Yes. Now, going forward, what do we do with them? That's the big question, because Kingsley's your left wing back. So Halliday's not going to be playing there. He'd be a good backup, I think. I think Andy Halliday will be a squad player for Hearts next season. Uh, he w- he won't start at left wing back when when Halliday's fit, and I think that's the uh, sorry when Kingsley's fit, and I think that's that's the right decision. A lot of this is kind of a, a thought process as to who are we keeping. With the question that you asked last week about a starting eleven for next season, who deserves a place in that eleven? And and who doesn't? Because we can't have the same eleven um, that we've kind of got right now and take it forward when it's pretty clear we need to to strengthen in, in several areas. And the manager's come out and said he's, he, he will be making additions. If Andy Halliday is fit and available next season, I think he's a squad player. I think he plays maybe 20 games, um, maybe starts 10, comes off the bench, maybe 25 games, comes off the bench 15 times. But I think we've seen he's, he's more than an adequate replacement as a backup left back or left wing back. But yeah, I think he's a he's a he's a he's a midfielder, a left sided midfielder who can who, whose best position is probably more central. But I think his best days are behind him. I think we can still benefit from um, from his experience. What do you think of Ewan Henderson then? Because he was another who had an impressive game, second goal actually at Starks Park this season. It finished it off very well. It, 60 seconds later, I'll talk about it in a, in a moment, he wins a, a penalty kick. He was he was very busy, he looked very confident, made some nice runs, showed a, a few good touches. His composure was excellent for his goal. Um, you think he still has a part to play then next season when we go up to the top flight or is, is that going to be too big a step up? No, why, why not? He's got a part to play. I'd put him in the same boat as, as Andy Halliday. I think he'll be a squad player and an important part um, to play for Hearts next season. When every uh, everything's said and done, when the dust has, has settled and we, we have our strongest 11, would you and Henderson be in that? Probably not. But there's plenty of incentive to say to him, hey, you keep doing what you've been doing, the way you've ended the season, then you'll be involved next season. And if you're involved and you get the opportunity, then you have a chance to take your chance. He's 20 years old. There are different types of finishers in football. There are instinctive finishers. There are creative finishers. Ewan Henderson is someone who, with his goal, you, you saw the turn. That's natural ability. Or if it's not, he's been taught and he's taken it on board because that was a really, really smart goal. 
And you can argue about the the rate defenders compared to some of the defenders he's going to come up against next season. I don't think they're all that much different. I don't think there's much difference between the teams below Hearts and the Championship um, who are going to be competing in the playoffs and are right now, and and those who are in the bottom six and in the top flight. Uh, I think there's much of a muchness. So that's just all psychological. Rathrovers could be one of those teams next season. I'm desperate for them because at least we get six points from two trips to to Starks Park based on this season. Um, so Ewan Henderson, good player. The reason I mentioned the kind of creative finishers and the instinctive finishers, Billy Dodds was always someone who, uh, and Ali McCoist as well, if the ball came to them and they didn't have time to think and they just put it in the back of the net, it's kind of score first and ask questions later. There are many other players who will gladly hold it up, take it at the edge of the box, turn, finish, score. Just different. Um, have we expected too much of of Ewan Henderson as as far as when he made his debut as a sub at Celtic Park in in May 2017? That's now four years ago. He was 16 years old, if I remember correctly, when he came on. The following season, he started three games for us, and again, he was just a um, he was just a player who was in the squad and had one or two opportunities, and the, the starts that he made were all away from home. He got a a season at Montrose, did all right. Uh, played 31 times, scored five goals, started 19 um, games. By this stage, he's kind of he's 18, um, 19 years old. Then he comes back to Hearts, and like, there's very few people that that can look back on 1920 at Hearts with with positive thoughts. And he played in 11 games. Right, he turns 21 at the end of June. And I think in the games recently that we have seen and the performances and crucially the goals that he's scored, the goals against Wraith the first time, Wraith the second time, and Aloha at home, he's he's someone I'm, I'm hanging around. I, I, I don't want to be the kind of manager that sends him away uh, or sells him and there's that doubt in the back of my mind. This is a kid that might still do it. I think he's taken his chance and he deserves to be part of the first team squad uh, as a backup but someone who, when called upon at the beginning of next season, if he's ready and takes his chance, then good for me. So just after the second goal, Wraith, as they were so often during this game, sloppy, um, giving the ball away two hearts. Um, McInef picks up and slides it into Ewan Henderson, and it's uh, Davidson with the challenge, and referee David Munro gives a penalty and sends off the Wraith player. Uh, what did you make of it? Not for me. No. The rest I mean, made an arse of it. Yeah, exactly what I thought at the time. I mean, I, I, obviously I didn't get a replay with the with the game being at Starks Park. It just, it, it didn't look like he'd made any contact. Um, <laughs> That's the first thing. For, for the first thing. And, I mean, if he's sending him off, the referee then, by the modern day rules, has to be certain not only that it's a foul, but there's absolutely no attempt to play the ball. Correct. So it just seemed a bizarre decision. I thought the penal I thought as a penalty it looked harsh, and I thought to categorically say that that's because most of the time these days, you know, the referees even when they give the penalty will lean towards a yellow unless it's one of these where the player basically quite clearly, you know, boots the guy in the sky, takes him out, doesn't look at the ball, whatever. Um, it just seemed a very odd decision to to give the penalty and send him <laughs> off, but. I want to I want to put Craig Halkett forward for the the man of the year 2021. Um, it's like the player who's supposedly fouled goes down, 
gets a penalty when there's been no contact, and then gets up and, and says, there was no contact referee, he never touched me, it shouldn't be a penalty, and everyone applauds that player and says, yeah, well done. They forget the fact he dived in the first place to try and win it. Um, but, but Craig Halkett did, did the, the sympathetic thing. He, he did the sportsmanship <laughs> thing and, and looted the ball. Could uh, you hear him on the telly? Off the ball. Yeah, it, it, it was one of the, um, the, the BBC specials where they're obliged, it's a pain in the arse, but they're obliged to say, Apologize, uh, oh, if, uh, yeah, if, if, if there was something that you heard that, uh, <laughs> it was, that was maybe a, a wee bit non-Disney, we're, we're very sorry. And um, it was a, it was a, the penalty was as good as the award to give it. Do you think there's, now this is just a theory that was thrown at me by some people um, on Friday night. You think it was his last game? That's why he got the penalty? Because Boyce has been taking Ooh. them. Thought about that. I wonder why it was him. Well, I, I did at the time. I, I didn't. I, to be honest, I didn't even cross my mind about it. it. Might be his last game, but a few people messaged saying that's what they reckoned it was about. I don't know. I have answer. no reason. I have no reason to. But, but it's, it, to it's think it would. But yeah. Um, if we're going to sign a centre back, I imagine that we'd be signing a centre back to start. Yeah. Does that mean it's Suter new signing? And potentially Michael Smith, if we play a back three, is our first choice. Does that mean... I mean, Craig, Craig Halkett this season, if I'm honest, I've seen him more consistent and I've seen him play better previously. He's never... Since that injury got away to St Mirren, he's never really looked the same. Because this is a player who was one of the best defenders in the league when we signed him from Livingston. I was delighted that we, we signed him from Livingston. But, um, so was I. But that injury, he's never quite looked the same I don't know if you remember he came back and he looked he struggled for fitness should we say when he first came back from injury and he's just he's never quite looked as as steady and as solid as I always thought of him beforehand remember Christoph was it the Celtic game that Christoph got injured yeah yeah Um, and he he, he, whether he came back too soon or whatever but he was never the same player again he'd lost never had the same he never looked comfortable mobility wise at all when he came back so I so I mean, if you, he's got a year left. From what I read, it's May, end of May, twenty twenty-two. Right, Halkett's contract's up. Am I keeping him? I mean, as a backup. But we've, as long as, will as he want? Will he want to be a backup? Well, he's not really got a choice. No, but I mean, if if you know, if someone has a conversation with him. And I guess it depends if he's got time in his contract. The thing is, you would need someone to come in and obviously correct take I mean, him Hart, off your hands. Hartland, yeah, I, I think he is a. I mean, in the current climate, like you, you're not going to get much, but I think you could get something for him, uh, maybe fifty grand or. So. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, the the market value is for him. If someone thinks they can I get him back to what he was pre hearts exactly then. So, so, so why can't? Why can't Hearts do that? Because if Hearts can do that, he's going nowhere. I don't want to let him go. Can we get him back to to where he was and probably thinks that he's capable of getting back there? Because he was being touted for Scotland call-ups. Yeah. Um, he was. He was a terrific player, so. Livingston. Yeah. He was. So Maybe. I wouldn't be getting. I wouldn't be getting rid of him if I thought I'd have a chat with him and say, "Look, where do you think you are right now? Compare it with his best bits." How far away from that are you? And most importantly, how do we get you back to there? And if what you hear 
is encouraging enough, he doesn't go anywhere because I'd love the money that will probably have to be spent on on getting a, another centre back in. I'd love that to be spent elsewhere because we don't need because we've got Halkett and we've got. But look, we're probably going to need at least four centre backs next season. If we're playing three at the back, probably five. Now Haring, if we can keep him fit, could be one of them as a, a kind of auxiliary or emergency. Um, but you're, you're basically saying that, or you're hoping that John Suter can get through a whole season without injury. That's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I, I, I'd love it if he could. But you're going to have to have contingency plans in place that if he doesn't, or there's an injury to someone else, you're not left like Manchester City were when the transfer windows closed, and Liverpool were when the transfer windows closed. Up until it reopens again, you're, you're short. So it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one to sell because if you're buying a centre back, you're not going to you're not going to try and sell the club to him and say, oh, you're going to be back up to Suter and potentially Halkett. So that's an interesting one. But if we if we had if we have any chance of getting him back to the Craig Halkett that Hearts fans remember seeing when he was at his best, oh, I'm keeping him. Yeah, it, it might it might well be um, um, in the plans. It just something that. When people mention it to me, I thought oh, it could be could be a point. Uh, I mean, back to the game. Stephen Naismith would come off the bench, makes it three 0 and it was kind of summed up. Wraith Rovers, especially in that second half, just yeah, overplaying it. What, eight nine yards from goal and ending up with Naismith just stabbing the ball home. Um, Benedictus then three minutes later plays a pass straight to Liam Boyce, one two and Naismith cuts it back across goal. Gary, um, sorry. So we see Gary Naismith, Gary McKay-Steven knocks the ball home from a few yards. Boyce Hills hit the bar in the second half after sloppy play from Wraith. Gary McKay-Steven should have a hat-trick, should have had a hat-trick with a close-range header. I mean, I thought as good as Hearts were with the tempo and the passing and the pressing, Wraith Rovers were just horrendous in that second half. I mean, I know John McGlynn was talking about how bad some of the errors were, but they were literally giving us the ball at the edge of their six-yard box. It was actually like, it was like watching kids in amateur football. That's probably doing a disservice to, to youth football and amateur football. They'd gone. It was so similar to the the previous time we were at Starks Park where having beaten us at Tyne Castle in their first game back in many a week, they had nothing left in the tank when it came to Hearts. And it was very, very similar, the, the two games. And I think uh, not knowing exactly how many of that team, when we beat them first time round, also played second time round, but assuming it's it's a few of them, I think they kind of thought, you know what, I mean, if we're 2-0 down at this stage, yeah, let's just let's just hope the referee can blow his, his full-time whistle quick, because that was, that was four going on whatever we wanted it um, to, to be. But we got four, I'm going to be happy with that. A nice way to end a, a, a difficult season. Indeed. And Craig Gordon, obviously another clean sheet. We we spoke about this with uh, Davy Allen of the um, Hearts Museum in London Hearts. So Craig Gordon's now on seven consecutive clean sheets for Hearts. One more if he gets a clean sheet in the first competitive game of next season, which could well be him playing in the Betfred Cup. Uh, he will equal the clean sheet record, which is held by John McLaughlin, of course, under Craig Levine. Um, and 
if he gets two at the start of next season, he'll go to nine, which will be the most consecutive clean sheets as a Hearts player. Uh, I want to very briefly, so season's over, would Craig Gordon be your player of the season from a Hearts perspective? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Closely, closely followed by Liam Boyce. Those two miles ahead of anybody else. Definitely. I mean, I have to say, I think I might go with Liam Boyce if I was to. Fine. I don't think there's a wrong. I don't think there's a wrong answer to this one, Laurie. I think without the pair of them, he'd be in the shit. No, definitely. It's interesting though. I mean, I know he's made some big saves, but and he's got the most clean sheets in the division. Um, he's got thirteen clean sheets, five ahead of the next closest, which is Gaston of our Arbroath. In terms of saves per game, though, I mean, 1.8 in the championship saves per game. He was busier than he expected to be. Probably, but I mean, you compare it to the other goalkeepers, the lowest amount of saves, the goalkeeper who played the most in each um, each club, basically, they did the average saves per game, um, 3.8 for Sini Salo, um, and you go all the way down to Gordon, 1.8, so less than two saves on average per game I, I don't know I, I just I know that if he wasn't there we would have conceded a few goals if we'd had a an average goalkeeper in there maybe um, I just think you know boys 14 goals 6 assists and 25 championship games it's quite a quite a significant I, I think he was very key to how we played out, outfield as well it's a, just an interesting debate I've seen people go both ways with both way with both ways with it um, one thing that amused me when I was looking at the assists, because Boyce has um, only uh, has only one lower than the highest assist rate, which is shared by three players, but just behind is Ollie Lee with five assists. Oh, so, so, so the highest assist, assists in the championship was seven. Ollie Lee got five and only played ten games. That's not bad, is it? That's, he started the season really well. Anyway. Wow. It just—it's just funny to see him still in the, uh, still still in the list. But anyway, Craig um, Craig incidentally kept eight successive clean sheets for Celtic as well between December 2014 and February 2015. So remember when he was on our podcast last season, whenever it was, summer. Um, yeah. Or pre-season. Pre-season. But you I don't know. know. He was half an hour late. Whenever, whenever <laughs> half an hour late. But he came. He, said, he was coming back to win the title, get player of the year, get as many clean sheets as he could. And he loves his stats. And he's always on about what have I done and how many have I got to go. And he's, he's, he's so proud to, um, to be at Hearts and have some records. But he wants more. He, he doesn't want McLaughlin to have the record of most consecutive clean sheets. They like each other, they're pals, but ultimately, it's, if, if he has personal goals which are achieved, that is likely to mean team goals are achieved as well. Consecutive clean sheets, well, you're doing something right. Well, I mean, that's so, 13 clean sheets, in 20, basically a one-in-two clean sheet ratio in the games he played in the championship. Yeah, and he'll still feel he was busier than he thought he was probably going to be. Uh, going back, we, both of us were were wide of the mark, and it's not a case of I was better than you because I was less wide of the mark than you. Know we both got it wrong when we were asked. <laughs> okay, twenty seven games. What are you expecting? I think you had twenty four wins, three draws, or twenty five wins and two draws. I had slightly less, and, and we both were way way overshot the runway there. But 
I don't think many Hearts fans would have would have had them down as 17 out of 27 wins and and 57 points. Like the manager did what the manager did when he was asked afterwards. He said, "Look, we had more wins than anybody else. We scored more goals than anybody else. We conceded fewer goals than anybody else. We had the best goal difference by a mile, and we had more points than anybody else." So that was what they set out to do at the start of the season. Like, there's, you can do anything you want with statistics. You can make the worst statistics less worse to look at. Or, I mean, he's, you're going to say that. Everyone in his position you can make them better. is going to say that. Less worse. I have dramatically <laughs> horrific. Make them better. Less worse. Oh. Um, but, but he's, look, ultimately, he's right. We, we did all that, but, 24 goals we conceded from 27 games. We never actually predicted how many goals we would score and how many we would concede. I would have probably gone less than 24 conceded, and I would have been wrong again. But the season is over. Uh, Hearts uh, uh, with a 4-0 victory to to end the campaign. Away to Wraith Rovers, who go into the playoffs. And we're recording this on Tuesday evening, and they are currently playing against Dunfermline. In the first of those playoff games, nil-nil, approaching half-time. Don't know why I'm telling you that, because you won't be listening to this live. (laughs) Anyway, we'll move on. Okay, last week we spoke about what potential signings Hearts could make ahead of the new season, and we put some homework out there, which was quite open. Um, We suggested using the transfer market without the final E website to see what players are out of contract and we gave a little challenge which was to try and try and make a starting eleven for next season using players that could be signed on a free transfer or if it was a development fee we, we stretched to that. So let's have a look at some of the messages we got. Um Andy Dixon got in touch and suggested uh, he said Gallagher, Campbell and Lafferty would be three stars to the team. So that's Declan Gallagher uh, who plays for Motherwell, of course, uh, Alan Campbell, also Motherwell, and Kyle Lafferty, who's currently at Kilmarnock, all available in the summer. Declan Gallagher, who's 30, uh, Alan Campbell will be 23 in July, and Kyle Lafferty, who's 33, but will turn 34 later this year. Um, Lafferty, who's actually got 10 goals in nine games for Kilmarnock, not a bad return. So he gives us two formations here, Andy Dixon. He goes uh, with a three at the back, similar to what we're currently playing, with Gordon and goals, Gallagher, Halkett and Suter the back three, Kingsley left, Smith right, Haring alongside Alan Campbell in the centre of midfield with Gary McKay-Steven behind Boyce and Lafferty. Um, and he gives us a 4-2-3-1 option as well, which is Gordon and Goals, Gallagher, Suter, centre-backs, Smith, Kingsley, full-backs, Haring and Campbell in the centre, Ginelli on the left, Mackay, Stephen Wright, Boyce in behind Lafferty. Um, I guess one noticeable absentee from from Andy's lineups is Aaron McInef, who, uh, I guess it depends, I was having some trouble figuring out new signings and, and putting them into formations because of I do want I, f- I feel like McInef does have something to offer um, I guess if you sign Alan Campbell and you're assuming Haring will be in there you maybe don't have a place for McInef I mean Campbell's um, he's a 
He's not. I don't think he's the same attacking player as Makinev in terms. Of, I don't think that's his game. But he is. He's full of, full of energy. He's you know he's a ball winning and kind of box to box midfielder. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting there. But I, two decent lineups. I guess the the one I probably wouldn't have considered is Kyle Lafferty. Um, would you, given his goal return for Kelly, or is that ship sailed? Do you think? Me personally, I would have had him in when he was available, but I think it became pretty clear. Um, with Robbie not making a move for him, that for whatever reason, Robbie doesn't fancy him. So uh, I'm with Alan. I would have had him in. I like that team that, that he set up. I think McInef will be hopefully a big player for Hearts next season if he can kick on. And what we want, we want to create competition for places. We don't just want to start in 11. Yeah. This, yeah. Not, not, not for, <laughs> excuse me, not for, for us, because I like your question last week and it's, it's elicited a decent response. Um, I mean, it might be it might be McInerney alongside Campbell. I, I, from that, in in an ideal world, I like it. Um, but Campbell, I just think we might end up being priced out. It's, it's how his agent goes about it, and what he thinks his 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 client is worth, and what he can get for his client. We spoke last week about a move to the English Championship is going to be more beneficial for any player than a move to another club in Scotland out with Rangers and Celtic from a financial perspective. If you don't get that offer from a championship club, I don't think you would go to League One. Well, that's... Yeah. Sunderland or, a, or, or a whoever, based on, on the, the financial um, yeah. issues that they have down there. So I think that it all depends. If Campbell's agent can get him a club in the championship, he's off ski. If he can't, then the likelihood is that Hearts would be would be players um, for if 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 Robbie fancied them. So I don't know Lafferty. Yes, for me, clearly no from Robbie. So I think that if if he wanted him, he would have been in by now, and he didn't. You're not gonna you're not gonna suddenly sign Kyle Lafferty on the back of scoring a hat trick for Kelly against Dundee United because you had a chance to get him and you didn't take it. That, that should tell you all you need to know. Catch twenty two uh, gives us a. F- a 4-4-2 team of Jack Hamilton in goals, a back four of Juwan Oshaniwa, Juwan Oshaniwa, Christoph Berra, oh, Craig Halkett and Ashley Smith-Brown. Midfield of A.D. White, Kenny Anderson, Mallory Martin slash Loic Demure and Elliot Freer. And an attack of Cole Stockton and Ismael Gonsalves. And he says, I call this the John Murray getting the band back together project. <laughs> Oh, interesting. There was a, honestly, I just shuddered more than once when I heard some of those names. Oh, indeed. That, that says a lot about our recruitment over the years. Does it? We've had some, one or two good ones. but <laughs> One or two ever, good ever. ones out of a hundred. Um, anyway, that, obviously, oh, not a sensible wow. one. But here, Steve gives us some ju- suggestions. He doesn't give us a, a kind of an 11, but gives us some suggestions. He says, thinking of young players with names that will sell to the Hearts fans and possibly... To bigger clubs in the future and all under 23 and playing well. So his first one is um, Harry Souter, obviously John's brother, who's uh, Stoke yep, City. Well. Six foot six, he's a, he's a tall, I actually thought he was taller than that because I saw him, I've seen him, um, I think it was maybe Ross County away, I saw him chatting with John and he made John look about four foot tall when he was standing next to him. <laughs> and, and John's, I think he, he's about six foot, he's not overly tall but he's your average height. Um, 
he's I always say he's Australian international um, because they've got an Australian mother, although born in Scotland, and in his two international caps for Australia, he actually has four goals, which isn't mad for a centre-back, is it? <laughs> two against Nepal and two against Chinese Taipei, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, it's certainly a commanding player if he was if he was available. It'd be interesting to get... Have we, have we ever had a... Have we ever had brothers playing for hearts? Have we? Has this come up before? Of course we have. Of course, McGowan me- brothers. Fuck, Jesus! I can't believe. Sorry, uh, um, sorry. I'll, I think. Wow! I'll... Don't you dare edit that out because McGowan Big Brother listens. You're getting hammered. I'm gonna. <laughs> in fact, never, I know he's sleeping right now. I'm messaging him as we speak and saying, even if it doesn't appear in this week's podcast, uh, I'm gonna keep to... talking here so there's no danger you can edit this out. Oh. And then he, you've had one. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. You say. Oh, do you know, as soon as I said it, I was like, wait, who have I forgotten? And I still couldn't think of brothers. it. Oh. Was there any other brothers and apart it, from those two? You're, and you're talking about someone that's played for Australia as well, Harry. I'm thinking this is a seamless transition into the McGowan brothers story. Fuck, same then... fucking position as those two as well. Oh, They're all centre-backs. That's terrible. That is a... That is a... That is a howler. Face moment. That's like Gary McKay Stevens miss against Dundee, was it? That's um, that's a shocker. Have we had any other brothers oh, apart way. from those two? <laughs> um, Harry Suter's under contract at Stoke till uh, till till twenty twenty five. So yeah. oh, okay, maybe alone. Um, he's who else does Steve list? Tom McIntyre, who's a centre back at Reading. Um, I know the name. I don't know much about him. Uh, Jensen Weir, a midfielder at Brighton, a 19-year-old Englishman. Um, couldn't tell you much about him. He's a also... football manager. You should know all about these players. I don't, I don't know everyone. Um, he does mention Aaron Presley. I do know him. Obviously, Stephen's son, 19, three appearances for Brentford this season. I've not actually checked. I've not, I've not verified that these players are available or Aaron not. Presley, yeah. Aaron, I think Aaron Presley, either, I think he scored in a game. Um, for for Brentford, or it was either that or his debut, and he made made one or two headlines. Yeah, it looks like his dad. You can certainly tell. Um, there you go. Does this he bang is... the desk like his father? Uh, yeah. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Matthew Harold has given us a lineup. He says, uh, "I would like to sign both Reagan Hendry and Jake Doyle Hayes. Would also like Scott Tiffany, Luke McCowan, Sam Roscoe, and Kyle Turner." An out-of-the-box signing would be Karamoko Dembele, um, which is interesting. Uh, certainly, the, the Reagan Hendry one is interesting because I've seen this suggested by a couple of people, and he has been very impressive with Wraith this campaign. Uh, he kind of, I, I know he's he's in that mould of you know, not exact same, but you know we're talking about those energetic central midfielders carries the ball forward. He's done very well, and he, I suppose, would be you would think in. The, in the market that we'd be looking at, because he'd be a step up. Even if Wraith got promoted, it would be a step up to go to to Hart. So that's an interesting suggestion that he is available. Um, is that the kid that used to be at Celtic? Never played for them, but I think he started his career there. Reagan Hendry? Oh, I can't Reagan remember. I, I've, yeah, I've just checked it. It is. He's it done is. well. He's done well this campaign um, though, when I've seen him, and he's. 
I think he he would certainly be in the 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 mold that we'd be looking at. Someone who would hopefully be able to develop and kick on further. I'll quickly give you Matthew's team anyway. Cause he's gone with the four four two diamond. Gordon and goals, uh, Kingsley left, Smith right, Suter Halkett in the centre, so a back five, if you will, of players currently at Hearts. Haring sitting, Regan Hendry and Doyle Hayes in the centre. Aaron McInef playing ahead of them, tip of the diamond, uh, with Boyce and Mackay Stephen up front. So this Doyle Hayes, again, it was a name I'd seen, but I didn't know anything about him. He's a 22-year-old midfielder at St Mirren, who was previ- previously at Aston Villa, who's apparently been very um, effective at St Mirren and is available uh, in the summer interesting as well that he's put I was I was wondering about this with McInef is there a way of playing McInef further forward would that be effective off a striker well no off two strikers so you're playing a 4-4-2 so he's just playing in an attacking midfield role basically mm, maybe uh, he's, I think he's got an eye for goal because we see, and we saw that with a lot of the clips when he was at Shamrock. Yeah. He certainly likes mm-hmm. to get on the score sheet. I would, I'd, I'd have him further forward rather than a little bit further back. I would yeah, have him alongside yeah. Haring. I think. I think the engine. That's the other thing. Well, they've done very well Robbie, together in this current formation. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Of, of course, I'm. I'm just thinking. I'm, it's not case to try to get inside Robbie's head, but does he have an idea? of the formation that he's likely to start the season with. If a three's worked for him just now, is it simply a case of, well, let's start with a three? Because if you remember, a 4-2-3-1 was his preferred formation for, for long spells to, to maybe his detriment in that it took him too long to change things. So if you are you bringing in players based on a formation that you think you're going to play next season, or do you target the players that you want to sign, that you've got a chance of signing, and once you've got your business done, whether you get them or whether you don't, you take a look around and go, okay, well, that's the best formation that suits the players available because surely that's the best way to do it. You don't try and um, shoehorn players into a formation. So it'll be in- interesting to find out um, if, he, if he thinks it's going to be a 3-5-2 or a, a 4 at the back. I think he's, you know, he talked about adapting, and I think you have to be able to adapt. And I think, like you said, that was part of his issue at times this season. My, I don't mind not having one formation in mind because you're never going to be able to play the same way every game throughout an entire season, even if it's just that you have to be slightly more defensive or play with a bit more width or a bit narrower in certain games or whatever it might be. You can never play the exact same way every game unless you're the absolute top of your game in, in one of the, you know, you're a Man City or a Barcelona when they were top of their game or something like that. But I don't know if, I don't know if you agree or not. I feel like you need to have your preferred system, especially if you're talking about... Because a back three and a back four, that's very different to to play. Yeah, hugely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say we're signing players to play either a 4-2-3-1 or a 3-4-2-1. They might have to adapt for whatever reason, but I feel like... I don't know, do you agree with that? That you'd want to at least be thinking about who's going to play in your preferred system and how they'd operate in it, not two completely, you know different systems I would say but I, I think that's the main change is when you play with the bat they often say that those are the, the only two significant changes to most formations will can be very fluid it's the back it's yeah. your back three or your back two or four however you want to see it that's the main that's the fundamental change you can make to a system yeah I, I agree with that and 
you could also argue the only time a team has a set formation is just before the whistle blows to start the game. Yeah, yeah. Because everything changes, depends if you've got the ball, if you don't have the ball, where the ball is on the pitch, how much you press, where you press. It's a formation in sense, but that's why I think you get who you who you want to try and sign, and then you take stock after that, and you you think, okay, well, we've got X number of centre backs, we have X, and that that that's how you do it. So I'm just intrigued as to who they think first of all is surplus to requirements because I, I think there's a few that wouldn't have too many complaints if they were told, sorry, pal, time's up. Um, and then, I mean, because you never find out. You never find out the ones, unless it leaks out, it's rare you find out the ones that they went for and didn't get. Mm-hmm. So once we see who, who comes in, and I, I just wonder if the last two or three games have not changed his mind completely, because that would be totally wrong if they had, but if they'd altered his thought process slightly, on getting rid or keeping someone, well, it would be getting rid of someone because they've played pretty well um, in two of the last three games. But if you look at that and kind of think, well, wait a minute here, why, why is my mind being changed based on two performances when over the piece that player, whoever it may be, didn't really do enough? So it's, it's recency bias is what it is. You've got to be careful with that. Yeah. Um, Harry Temple says, can we take Jackson Irvine just to wind up Hibbs? He is, at the moment, still available. Um, Peter Douglas mentioned O'Donnell, which I think is a good one. He's someone I'd definitely be targeting. Stephen O'Donnell at Motherwell and Declan Gallagher, he mentions. <laughs> he does also say, could we lose someone like Barry Bannon from Wednesday? Um, unfortunately, this is where I have to apologise that transfer market cannot be relied upon all the time because it does say that Barry Bannon is available in the summer. However, Barry Bannon signed a new contract in February. It keeps him at Sheffield Wednesday until 2023. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the blame for that because I mentioned the website and um, it's not entirely accurate, apparently. I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be intrigued as to the types of players recommended by Joe Savage. Because we've spoken about the monetary aspect of trying to get players from the championship. We might there might be loanees. Don't know, but if we're trying to sign players, let's focus on signing players right now. I assume he knows the the lower league English market pretty well, in addition to the players that he's already identified when he was at Preston. Surely you're gonna get more chance of getting a bargain or getting some value. Uh, by shopping in, in League One and, and League Two. Because going for a championship player, the likelihood is they're not going to take a, a pay cut unless they're out of contract and not being offered a, a new deal. The other thing is up here, I would be looking, and I don't have any specifics, I would be looking at while strengthening us, weakening our rivals. Mm-hmm. I, I always think that, that is a, it's not an underhand tactic at all. I think it's a sensible and a smart tactic, and I'm surprised more more teams of a certain ilk don't don't do that. If you know you can get your one of your, and I'm not talking rivals as in location, I'm talking the teams that you're yeah, up yeah. against yeah, in yeah. that area of the field. So, uh, uh, Alan Campbell's likely to leave Motherwell. 
that's going to weaken them. Now, if he goes to Hearts, not only will it weaken Motherwell, but it'll also strengthen Hearts. So, I know. And, he, and, you know, uh, he could well be on the radar of a Hibs or an Aberdeen if, if you know, if he doesn't get a championship move. So again, you're, be. you're, be. you're, you're getting a player ahead of, of your rivals who would, you know, strengthen them. So no, it's, it's let's, a fair let, point. Let's cut to the chase and, and apologies in advance here. And I'll, I'll try and, um, I'll try and ham this question out as long as possible to give you more time to, to think about it. But if I was to ask you right now, how many of the players this is you. This isn't Robbie. This is this is you. How many players, if I was to ask you right now for a first 11 mm-hmm. on the first day of next season, how many of the players in that first 11 are currently at the football club? Um, I, I think maybe... Maybe seven, maybe seven or eight, possibly. Okay. I, I mean, that's just hypothetical, but I, I, I do feel that there'll be a lot of changes in terms of the squad. But yeah, that's fair. But so if you if if it is seven or eight, okay, say seven. I think would seven you would rather, be. Yeah. Okay. Well, we know that Craig and and Liam Boyce, um, you're not going to give Gary McKay Stephen the deal that he got and not have him involved. Whether or not he starts is another matter. But if it is seven, would you rather Hearts signed, say, eight players, right? And a lot will depend on who goes out. Would you rather Hearts signed eight players in the summer who were squad players and could be the extra four? that make up your 11? Or would you rather Hearts spent the money that they would spend on eight players and spent that money on four better players? See, this is, this goes back to, I'm, I'm sure I actually wrote an article for some website once on this. It, it does all come back to who's coming through in the youth team. Cause I always, my preference with, with Hearts certainly was always, Quality over quantity with youth providing the squad depth. If it does rely on you having the players coming through, but I'd rather spend more money on a better core of players, so a smaller senior squad, if you will, but then give more youth players a chance. So you don't necessarily. I agree with that. I like that. Yep. You know, you don't necessarily have two senior players for every single position on the park, as in, you know, four centre backs two right backs, two left, you know, as in another 11, effectively. I don't mean like you only have three centre-backs. So basically you could replace that entire first 11 with another 11 and they're all seniors. You know, maybe have 16, 17, 18 players. Some of them maybe a bit more versatile. You know, an Andy Halliday or something who can play a few positions. Haring can cover a couple. But then if you have to bring players through, if someone's out of form or suspended or you get some injuries, it's then the 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are coming in. Um, but that's all theoretical, you know, if there is literally no players ready even to be, you know, um, a backup, even to be called upon, then that doesn't work. So, but that would always be my preference would be, you know, spend more money on, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but on more quality or, you know, players that are more likely, don't get, don't buy two players at two grand each, um, wages who are both, you know, a stab in the dark, you know, 
some European uh, uh, players you haven't seen a lot of, haven't been proven in the league, it's a bit of a risk. Spend four grand on one player who is an Alan Campbell or something. You know, you're pretty certain it will work. He's been proven at this level. He's a high quality player, and you've got your couple hundred quid on whatever 18, 19 year olds coming through if you need to. And again, it's, it's all hypothetical. It's all very, you know, rough. You know, I mean, it's it's all well and good saying that. Ultimately, but, yeah, ultimately, what you're saying is quality over quantity. Yeah. And I, I think that's fair. And the, and the other thing is, if it was, I know we keep coming back to Alan Campbell, but you're not going to get a same sell-on value if it's a Declan Gallagher. Um, two teammates right now, one's, what, 23, 24, the other's 30. Yeah. So we're using Alan Campbell as an example. Well, he's not even 23 um, yet. He's 23 in the summer, I think, well, Alan Campbell. So, so there you go. So you've, you've got a sell-on value there as well. A couple of years of him doing well. And, and you end up with Harry Souter at Stoke, who was bought for about a quarter of a million from Dundee United um, looking for the future and is now worth probably 20 times that or they could get that on the market but the English market is different from the Scottish market so I think I think things are changing slightly and the Scottish teams are now getting a bit more value for their commodities if they sell down south I think Celtic have had a, a big part to play in that um, so that I, I would I would rather have one at four grand hypothetically we don't know how much you'd be on um, if it's an Alan Campbell with a with then a sell on value, mm-hmm. that's the type of player I would I would be looking at because what is Hearts Hart Midlothian Football Club is a place like most other football clubs where you go, you try and develop, you do well, and you try and get a move. And if you do well, and you get a move, you benefit, and the team that you're at benefits as well because they get money for that. So it's it's an interesting one. And I, Everyone will be an expert when players sign. Everyone will kind of straight onto transfer market or, or whatever. They'll they'll all kind of oh that's a good one or that's a bad one. Most of us kind of know. Most of us kind of know that when a player signs, it, get, it either gets you excited or or it doesn't. So we'll wait and see. But I think seven's not a bad number um, as far as players there at the club right now who, who start the season. But for the other four, if it is to be seven, for the other four, I, I think it's a case of let's go quantity over over quality. If we're going to other way money around. to sign it, let's go quality over quantity. That's what I mean. <laughs> if we've got the money and it's a set amount, let's have half the number of players on twice the wages. Okay, I've got a little quiz for you. Um, so, Craig Halkett missed his spot kick on Friday, obviously, cracking it off the crossbar. I have got five penalty missing scenarios, and you have to give me the player. So, I will, mm-hmm. I'll give you the match, and I'll set the scene, and you just got to give me the player that misses the penalty. So, most of these are... Most of these are a good either for you. Um, okay. So, okay. Penalty number one. And again, like we've done in recent weeks, don't give me the answer straight away because people might be listening and want to try and play along. Yep. So I'll give you all the answers afterwards. So this is Saturday the 17th of February 2001. It's the Scottish Cup fourth round between Hearts and Dundee at Tynecastle Park. 
Juan Sara puts Dundee ahead on the half-hour mark. Um, 90 seconds later, Gary McSwagan uh, is fouled by Chris Coyle in the box and Hugh Dallas awards a penalty kick. Um, but on-loan Italian goalkeeper Marco Roccati saves the kick. Um, funnily enough, I didn't remember him, and I looked him up, and he was on loan from Bologna at the time, but he'd later be on the books of Napoli and Fiorentina as well. Well, they had some good players back then. I mean, Kenigio, yeah. still can't go over Kenny just signing, then Ravanelli uh, and crazy nuts, crazy times. Anyway, that's your yeah. first one. So, a player um, has his uh, spot kick saved by the Italian goalkeeper. It ends one-one, incidentally, that game. Penalty two is 5th of October 1991. This is a game between Celtic and Hearts at Celtic Park. Uh, Hearts are actually unbeaten league leaders going into this game, but Mark McNally gives Celtic an early lead, cancelled out by John Robertson 10 minutes later. Charlie Nicholas scores from the spot before half-time to make it 2-1, and Tony Cascarino makes it 3-1, after 67 minutes, his first goal since a 1.1 million move from Aston Villa. I think he was getting a bit of stick back then for not finding the net. Um, his joy was short-lived because four minutes later, he was sent off for a foul on Craig Levine in the other box. And a penalty was awarded, but it was missed. And the game ends 3-1 to Celtic. So who missed that penalty? Penalty three is the infamous 1985-86 season. This is Hearts against Dundee on the 8th of February, 86. Now, Hearts had missed three penalties in a row before this game. Two missed by Kenny Black, one by Gary Mackay. So it was a different taker for this game. They fell behind in the ninth minute, but were awarded a penalty just over 10 minutes later, only for this player to miss it but then make up for it by heading home across less than 60 seconds later and scoring. And Hearts would win 3-1. Who missed penalty three? Okay, fourth spot kick. Now, this is in 2016. But you should remember this, because this is Hearts (laughs) 4, Kilmarnock 0 in 2016, which I think was the... This is the only time you've been lead commentator at a Hearts game since 2010, is it? Oh. I don't know what I did last night, Laurie, so if you're asking me for something I did five years ago. <laughs> so Hearts Hearts were leading 4-0 in this game, thanks to goals from Callum Patterson, Arno Zoom, uh, and a Jamie Walker double. This is um, 2016. 2016, say. yeah. Uh, in, in added time, Gary Dicker gives away a penalty. And the player that was fouled took the kick, but it was saved by Jamie McDonald. So it stays 4-0. Okay. Now, penalty five is actually is slightly different. It's two penalties, but it's in the same game. Two missed penalties, one game. Now, this is also 2016. It's also against Kilmarnock. It's also at Tynecastle. But you weren't commentating on this, so you might not remember it. But I just liked it because it was two penalties. So, February 2016, earlier that year, so it's the obviously the season prior, uh, Hart's first season back up into the Premiership under Robbie Nielsen. Um, seventh minute, the first player sees his penalty saves saved but he scores the rebound to make it 1-0 hearts 
Nine minutes left, still 1-0 at that point. Hearts get a second penalty and a different player steps up to take this one. And it's also saved, also by Jamie McDonald. There's three penalty saves by Jamie McDonald in those last two games. Um, there's no conversion on the rebound, though. It stays 1-0 Hearts. So two penalties missed. First player scored the rebound, though, which ends up being the winning goal. Second one missed and no rebound scored. So who were those two players? What was that date? That was uh, February 2016. Okay. So let's go through, see if you got them. Um, penalty one, Scottish Cup game, February 2001. Hearts against Dundee. Juan Sara puts Dundee ahead. Hearts get a penalty 90 seconds later. Gary McSweegan fouled. Who saw his penalty saved by Marco Roccati? I've got a choice of two. They might both be wrong. Uh, Gary McSwigan? Nope. Or Robert Tomashek? No. Was it Stefan? No. Oh, Jesus. Was it Presley? No. Who's Cameron. Cameron, yes. Wow. It was before Presley be moved to penalty, so Cameron was still penalty taker, and he hadn't left yet, obviously, because <laughs> he played him. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Colin Cameron saw his penalty saved by Marco Roccati. Um, and that was a game that I always remember. I was at that game. Um, Hearts won, uh, Dundee won Hearts, actually. Tomashek scored in the replay. Uh, Juanjo scored with nine minutes to go to take it to a replay. But the reason I remember that game was because uh, Austin McCann made his debut. And there was an old couple in front of me. And the woman kept thinking it was Neil McCann for the entire game. Thought Neil McCann had come back. But bless her there you go it wasn't it was austin anyway so colin cameron was the first one i thought you might have just guessed that one possibly from the penalty takers because it was just before cameron had left and presley, penalties got handed yeah. to presley um anyway penalty colin two. cameron scored, scored the one that counted that was he got, he got the main one he did 98 that's, he did. that's all that mattered uh, penalty 2 October 91 mm. Hearts lose 3-1 at Celtic Park uh, but when they were trailing by 3 goals to 1 Craig Levine fouled by Cascarino who was sent off and a player stepped up and missed the spot kick to uh, to miss the chance for Hearts to get back into the game who missed that one? Uh, Scott Crabb? Nope So it's either Beardy wouldn't have been on penalties it's either Robbo or Derek Ferguson Robbo. Scored in the game. Missed the spot kick. Stayed 3-1 Celtic. And as I mentioned, that was Hart's first defeat of the season at that point. They were top of the table and unbeaten going into the, the question game. Is, these, are, these are tough. Because you can't cheat really very easily. <laughs> well, you could, that. well, I guess you could because I'm telling you the games. But who wants no, to do but, that? I mean, 1991. It's, I mean, it's... it's yeah, whatever. So, 86, the 85-86 season, Hearts have missed three penalties in a row, two by Kenny Black, one by Gary Mackay. They get a penalty against Dundee, and it's also missed. They were trailing 1-0 at the time, but the same player who missed it scores less than a minute later. So it's a different player than Kenny Black and Gary Mackay, so obviously someone else got a chance to take this penalty. Robbo. Nope. Wait a minute. John Cohen. Yes. I think he actually scores from a John Robertson cross. He heads in a Robertson cross to make it 1-1 and Hearts go on to win 3-1. It's funny though, I was looking at the... Obviously because that was before my time, so I wouldn't remember things like all the missed penalties. But um, 
I think Hearts dropped points in games they missed penalties uh, out of two of those three previous missed spot kicks. Oh God, that makes it even worse. Yeah, it was quite. I was just surprised. I was having a look through uh, missed penalties, and I saw you don't get that many in a row so often. But yeah, four missed spot kicks mm. in a row. Um, but yep, yeah, John John Cahoon, guest of the show. Okay, fourth one. So I was hoping you get this one because it's a game that you commentated on when I couldn't make it in 2016. I can't remember why you were over, but you were maybe for Christmas, actually. I think it was just after Christmas. Um, Hearts 4, Kamarnik 0, Patterson, Doom, Jamie Walker, double has Hearts coasting to a 4-0 victory. Gary Dicker commits a foul on injury time and the player who was fouled steps up and sees Jamie McDonald save his kick. This remains the last Hearts game I saw at Tynecastle. Mm-hmm. And it was Cathro's first win. Um, that I think it was Dario Zanata. Yes. Missed the penalty. It was, it was late on, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like third minute of added time. It yeah. was Zanata. So yeah. I thought you might get that one, but I I didn't think you would get... Four and a half years ago, my last match at Tynecastle. Jesus. I suppose oh. everyone's now, what, everyone's now... A year, a year plus and three months, like fifteen months, aren't they? Without, without going, it's not nice, is it? Well, what I'm asking you for. <laughs> you. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. So last one earlier that year, so the season prior, Hearts against Kilmarnock, also at Tynecastle, a one 0 Hearts win, but two players missed penalties in this game. Seventh minute, first player misses, scores the rebound. Nine minutes left, the second player. Um, misses and I should I should say that McDonald saves both of these penalties as well actually. Do you can you can you get both or either of was these? This the game, was this the game at Tynecastle in the February did you say? Yes. Um The first player is a prominent hearts player in the last few years. Jamie Walker. Yep. That's the first one. He saw his penalty saved but scored the rebound, followed it up. Um, and that ended up being the winning goal, but it was a different player who took the second penalty, and this is a less prominent Hearts player. Than I'm going to go for a. I'm going to go for a random. Okay. I'm going to go for Abiola Dauda. Yes, you didn't was cheat it? with that. I didn't. No, I've got the team, but it doesn't have it doesn't have um, penalty saves or penalty misses. Uh, God's honest truth. Abiola so I, it Dauda. Either, it was either Abiola Dauda or Gavin Riley. So both are kind of less prominent. Um, so I, I went for Dowda. It was and, indeed. Um, he was good, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Five penalty questions. trivia oh. questions. Okay, moving on. Although I should mention, um, you probably don't know this, but Hearts have... Hearts have been given three penalties tonight at the time of recording. The women? Nope. This is a trick trivia question. Hearts have they've they've actually the game's still going. They get, they could get more penalties, but they've they've already been given three penalties and they have missed two of them, but they've scored one is, of them. Is it Hearts of Oak in Ghana? <laughs> no, closer to home, much closer to home. Um, youth team. No, it is the first playoff game between Brora Rangers and Kelty Hearts, and 
Barry Ferguson's Kelty Hearts are currently winning 2-0 away to Brora, but they've missed two penalties in the first 10 minutes, um, and they've <laughs> since scored one. So, oh, do you know yeah. what? Do you see if Brora had thumped them, then you, you would have kind of thought, maybe, like, they're a non-league side. The ignominy is always going to be there, losing that, and it was it was atrocious. But you're kind of thinking, well, having said it, other people have said it as well. They, they're probably a, a decent League Two side, just desperately trying to get out of out of the Highland League. But for Kelty, to Kelty have a decent side. I mean, whoever whoever wins that playoff, I don't think has got any issue whatsoever with Breakin. I think they'll 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 beat them by a couple. But at least you could have thought, well, if Broader play Kelty at home, it doesn't it doesn't do anything to our result. But if it was a comfortable broader win, it would still you look back and go. But for for broader to get beaten at home, if they do by by Kelly Hearts, any excuse that anyone has about that game can no longer be made. If Kelty Hearts can go up there and win, and Hearts can't, Jesus. I don't know if there was any excuse initially, but there yeah. wasn't. There wasn't. I'm clutching. But there you go. Um, I think that's about it for this week. Um, we are going to be back next week and we will have a guest which will be interesting Mr Donaldson manager the head coach of Hart Midlothian Football Club George. Kelly Hart Barry Ferguson oh <laughs> yeah, the Hart's possum and Barry comes on Robbie Nielsen will be joining us next week that'll be I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it it'll just be it'll be different than when we had him on last will be I was thinking about this today. He had to, he was handing in a, initially it was going to be today where we're going to speak to him. That was the, the, the request, but he got in touch and said, look, I've got to hand in a, uh, he's doing a uni course right now. So today was the kind of day. Um, so I just said, look, good luck with the thing. Um, we'll speak to you next week. Um, but it's, when I was, when I was thinking about that, he has no concept. This is going back to earlier about searching for your own name online. It's pointless. Robbie has no concept of, of what was said. I mean, I remember I got a message one day from him saying, um, I, I spoke about a couple of weeks ago about the trophy thing. What, he, he was wondering, what's the perspective among the Hearts fans? What do, you, what do they think that the club should be doing? Um, so, it's been probably in his best interests to stay off social media uh, or not go looking for things. Because if you go looking for things that you don't really want to find, why are you looking for them in the first place? So I'm going to be intrigued next week to find out how much, because a lot of the stuff that we've done over the, the past 10 months, nine months or whatever on this podcast has a lot of his assumptions, what we think Robbie might be thinking or whatever. We've got a chance next week to, to ask him that, um, but I'll be intrigued as to how much attention he does in fact pay to social media, because I don't think it's much, why he would want to pay attention to social media, because you can only find what you go searching for from time to time. And if um, going back right to the start, when he when he signed, he, he's he's well aware about the football club, about the foundation of hearts, about the history of hearts. He doesn't need to be told any of that. He knows all about that, and 
He's been with the club long enough to be intrinsically linked to all of that, from the foundation to the memorial garden to, to, to everything. And it means a it means a hell of a lot to him. But there must be things that he's not au fait with, that he's 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 not um, sure of as far as viewpoints are concerned. So I think it will be intriguing to find out just that, just next week how much he's aware of of the backlash because it's going to be di- it's not going to be difficult for us. I think to an extent we will be on the spotlight as well because we can't just we can't have a happy clapping hour. No, you've you've, be, you've had plenty of those. Don't you start. I'll get the doctor on you. Uh, <laughs> doctor 1874, medicine required. I think there has to be part of, from from our perspective, um, of, of realism that we are transmitting the thoughts of many hard supporters who wanted him out. Yeah. And I know he did a, I know he did a piece with, with Barry Anderson in the evening news today, which was a very good piece. Um, I just want to get answers from Robbie next week that no one's got before. That's 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 what an interview is about. Yeah. It's about rehashing old old stuff and see if there was a perception that with no fans in the stands and if he wasn't on social media, how was he able to gauge the feeling of a heart support? That's a question we can put to him next week. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's finding the balance. You know, he, he's obviously given up his time to come on so it's not going to be a um it, it's not going to be, be a grilling it's not going to be a grilling but we, we we don't want to make it we don't want to shy away from some of the obviously the trickier topics throughout the season so hopefully we'll be able to strike that right balance because yeah, we don't want to scare people off from coming on we want to we want to have the opportunity to speak to the likes of robbie nielsen or, or other That's players or former players so yeah. so yeah it'll be interesting it'll be interesting said look you'd love to come on again and um, I'm sure we'll have Craig on in the future and, and others at the football club and I'd like to speak to, to more. I, I'm, this isn't a burning, but this is an honest podcast that I don't try and relay thoughts. We, we're, we're not sheep. You and I have our own opinions. Um, so I, I just, I think it'll be interesting. I, uh, there's a good cop, bad cop role. You want to play bad cop next week? Oh, I have to play bad cop. <laughs> I'm at the wind up. At the wind up. Well, Looking forward to it. Well, yeah, I'll say now I'll play a bad cop and then I'll probably won't. <laughs> okay, anyway, it'll be interesting. We'll be back next week. Um, thank you do for. You think Rob, do you think Robbie's aware of how many brothers have played for Harps? Oh, Jesus Christ. You know, it was one of those as soon as I said it. Just don't tell him. Don't tell Ryan. Wait to see if he actually listens because he said he's been. He said he's. Um, We're four behind. Not. So I want to we'll wait and see. We'll get, we'll get a message in October. What about you? Well, do you know he'll, he'll, he'll send us he'll send us two messages. One here. Why the fuck are you not suggesting me for the Hearts team next season? I'm out of contract. And two will be. By the way, how did you forget that me and Dylan played together? <laughs> um, never mind. Good cop, bad cop. I'll give you one question all to yourself, and you can ask Robbie if he fancies having McGowan as part of his squad next season. And then we can put this bloody thing to bed once and for all. Talk about tiptoeing around the tulips. <laughs> it's like it's like when you're at school and it's like you need to get your mate to go and ask him. <laughs> ask the girl out. 
Oh dear. Anyway, are you we'll... going to do that for us next week? Maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> right. I anyway, bet you, I bet you shit it. There's no way you're going to do that. We'll be back next week. See you then. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Hey, brother. There's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister. Know the water's sweet, but blood is thicker. world I wouldn't do